You're listening to Made for IoT, a podcast celebrating the leaders, innovators, and disruptors of the Internet of Things, from hardware to connectivity to cloud. For more insights, make sure you visit Anamondo.com. So welcome uh, to this webinar. Uh, we've been really looking forward to this. Uh, this is um, a little bit of a more overarching theme than our uh, typical webinars in Onomondo. Um We're going to dive a little bit deeper into uh, the, the vision of Onomondo, why we've built things the way we've done, why we're pursuing things in the way we are, um, and what we really see as, as sort of the... Um, the overarching principles that 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 needs fixing in this industry um, and our role in it, of course. Uh, so um, I can I can maybe uh, start. My name is Michael. Uh, I'm the uh, co-founder and CEO of Unomando. And do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Henrik. I'm CTO and co-founder of Unomando. Cool. And uh, and so this webinar it's a uh, it's a pre-recorded webinar, uh, which means that when throughout the the, the whole uh, uh, webinar here, uh, we're going to be live in the chat. So if you have any questions along the way, uh, don't wait until the end. Please just uh, pull them in there, and uh, and we will uh, will be uh, will be there to um, to answer uh, along the way as well. So without further ado, let's uh, try and dive into uh, what we're going to cover today. Uh, so first, we're going to have a, a little bit of a macro level view into, uh, well, the origin of IoT connectivity, the foundation it stands on, the architecture that's, that's sort of been the, the course of the industry for, for a very long time and, and how it's working also mostly today, actually. Um, then we're going to dive into our perspective of this, how we see we can maximize the value here, what, what to do to fix things uh, where we see them as... as uh, slightly broken or or uh, or not perfect at least. Um, then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into uh, some of the nitty gritty stuff. Uh, we're going to look into how we're doing this, what we're doing is, is specifically on certain things, uh, and and also uh, how we take sort of a what we like to call a software first approach uh, rather than a telco first approach to some of these problems. You can say from a from a perspective of what is IoT in a nutshell. Uh, it's really three components put together. Um, uh, seems pretty simple. Uh, it's hardware collecting data, uh, then uh, connectivity responsible of moving that data, commuting that data from A to B, uh, and destination ultimately being uh, a cloud service of some kind, uh, typically, uh, which computes data, turns this data into uh, insights, which can really sort of uh, drive either efficiency or new products, new services, some kind of business value. Uh, from that, and you can say from from the outlook of that, it it doesn't seem like there's a lot of stuff that's broken. Uh, there's hardware, there's connectivity, there's clouds in existence today. Uh, but when you when you just peel the onion a little bit, uh, you can sort of start to place responsibility around this chain. And and this is where you can say our personal journey of of coming from from the network side and the sort of the deeper infrastructure side of that. Uh, where we could see that, okay, here's something that is uh, architected perfectly well for, you can say, the phones and the supercomputer in your pocket, uh, but where when you're trying to build efficient devices, you're trying to uh, minimize uh, battery consumption, you're trying to minimize uh, data consumption, you're trying to minimize instability uh, issues, and you don't have a person in the other end to, to hit reset. If something goes wrong, uh, then you really have a problem. So when all of those things creep into uh, an architecture like this, that's really very different from uh, what a phone needs. 
Um, and, and so from that perspective, it becomes a bit of a burden uh, to place responsibilities for security, responsibilities for efficiency and, and all of those things into a tiny device uh, that's supposed to be as costless as possible um, and is supposed to last for 5, 10, maybe 15 years or more uh, into the future. Uh, so when you're having hardware that is static in nature, uh, connected ultimately to a cloud, which is moving a moving security target on the internet, you can say, those responsibilities, they creep in and create a lot of friction. And I think that's where uh, you, you had the, the privilege of seeing that from the inside uh, uh, in, in your previous journeys and, and, and where you really saw that uh, sort of this... Uh, disalignment, a misalignment between uh, the architecture and the ultimate need of the industry. Yeah, no, I, I think you're touching upon a, a, a very specific issue uh, in the IoT ecosystem as such. Um, I think we've all heard sort of the billions of devices uh, that will come sort of in, in the years that we are in right now. Um, and as you rightfully sort of touch upon, we put all the responsibility onto sort of the least scaling entity um, in the whole equation, which is the hardware, the device, the one that needs to sit remotely. Uh, that you as a human can't touch. Um, if you do so, the whole commercial business case falls apart. Um, and, and, and that is definitely what we have sort of set out to, uh, to try and change fundamentally. Uh, so our story starts within telecom and networks and infrastructure. Uh, but really, we, we see our position as being responsibility uh, for the wider efficiency of connecting the dots between these two outer, outer points of, of cloud and hardware. And so we, we see our, we, we tend to say that you should ask more from your network. That's because we think the responsibility of that network uh, <clears throat> should ultimately uh, include the responsibility of securing that connection and making an efficient use of, uh, of those assets that, that, that sit out there in the field and, and have them collect the data. That's still their responsibility. But the whole commuting service, including the efficiency around it, an efficient network and a, and a, and a correctly built network uh, can leverage all the good things from, uh, from the stuff that is uh, supporting the phones as well, uh, the scalability and the rollout uh, globally and standards and all that stuff, but have the global efficiency as well of, of a unified interface so that you as a user can get business value without the risk of, uh, of, of distributed responsibilities and all kinds of of troubles down the line, especially when you look far into the future. And so, yeah, we we set out to build a global network uh, that really spans the globe with deep integrations into all the existing infrastructure out there, but leverages that infrastructure in a more efficient way, tailored for IoT. Uh, so, so we've uh, we've unified the interface uh, to this. We build a, a global network marketplace where you can uh, com- completely uh, combine the coverage and, and, and so on that you need, the technologies you need. But then we've built, uh, along that, we've built uh, a layer to uh, optimize performance, make better use of hardware ultimately, and, and really not try to do anything new on the hardware side, but really just remove a lot of stuff so that all of that responsibility is now taken care of in a central place where if things change on the, on the, on the cloud front, um, things can be changed in the network from a central perspective and, and everything is static on the hardware side. So really take the, the distributed and static layer of your architecture and make that even more static, uh, even if things change otherwise uh, in other places. Um, 
And and so ultimately, we think that this kind of architecture uh, is the right way to do it uh, in order to really scale fleets and really make efficient use of hardware and clouds uh, and networks uh, ultimately and uh, and bridge that gap uh, and and, uh, and place responsibilities in the correct place so to speak and when you do that uh, that also means that you have to look at when do you think about connectivity and what responsibility can connectivity play in the lifetime, cradle to grave, you can say, uh, a journey of a solution. Historically, um, I think it's fair to say that, that uh, maybe there was, there's more emphasis put on hardware development and cloud development and making those things work together. And then connectivity is this sort of afterthought to, okay, now we need to scale, now we need to connect things. Um, but I think if, if, you, if you utilize that architecture in the right way, I think sort of playing a wider role in the, both the development, deployment, and the operational phase of, of a solution uh, uh, is, is part of how you really maximize the value you get from these things. And I think it, it's important to, to, to think the connectivity part, similar to, to how you choose your cloud today, that, that you really look at the services um, that, that you get from it, the benefit, and how you, as you, as you mentioned, you want to see the architecture of your whole project. Um, that, that's where we want to push that that choice into that it becomes one of the, the first things you think about so you really can benefit that on the hardware side and, and also on the cloud side um, have it as an active element in, in the whole architecture yeah yeah because I, I guess I mean one of the things that 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 this of course if you if you need to develop a new solution then utilizing these tools of both security but also integration into clouds taking that over from the network perspective I guess you need to start early. Indeed. Indeed, no, I, and, and I think today, I mean, rightfully so, I think many think of designing sort of an, an, an IoT solution, they definitely think of potentially the hardware first. One thing, of course, all the data that you need to gather on the center, at the end of the day, that's going to be sort of part of, of your business, the value there. But but then there comes tons of headaches on securing that part, on, on how does it interact with the cloud? How do you, again... Uh, make sure that this can comply with whatever happens in, in 5, <clears> 10, 15 years from now. Again, I don't think many think of that the AWS IoT or the Azure IoT cores of the world didn't exist five years ago. Um, and, and, and again, you need to design or make that design choice um, um, today on the hardware part. Slipping it around and again, having a, a completely different mindset and a completely different architecture into it and thinking, well, okay, what, what network do I actually choose here that can comply with whatever happens in the future? I think that's the mentality that people should should think about, um, and 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 I hope we sort of is are a big part of making that movement of a different architecture for IoT, um, which at the end of the day then suddenly simplifies whatever you put out in the real world. Uh, the the least scaling element again, um, the the one that needs to be the cheapest and and last on its own. Um, yeah. The mindset becomes different. Yeah, yeah, and maybe you can you can talk a little bit into uh, also like what what are the, some of the concrete tools that that you that you kind of need in that development setting like what what would be an ideal version of uh, a development environment that that then uses yeah. this architecture maybe yeah exactly i mean today when when you build hardware and and you and you want to test it out again in many cases you re, you rely on again sort of the uh, the internet highway or, or the commuting part um, and then you test everything out uh when you build build your firmware when you connect it to the cloud etc 
um, you sit in one place in, in, in the world and then suddenly when you go, need to go from sort of development manufacturing into actual deployment, getting it out in the real world, things change. Um, so I think it's, it's fundamentally important to have an environment during development that actually reflects, not just mimic, but actually reflects what's the real life scenario for this device. Um, this yeah, essentially become. using the same network exactly. and the same underlying architecture of that network from a testing perspective, also that being completely the same as your scaling element. Yes. When you when you scale, then that becomes your scaling production network as well. Exactly, one-to-one. Um, but also the one where you can open up and see all the insights into what's happening from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't become sort of this black box of, of unknowns and, and you see a thing from, from the hardware perspective and you see another thing from, from your cloud. And then you sort of cross your fingers on and everything goes well. In the and then you try and decipher what goes on in the yes. middle. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. Sort of reverse engineer what happens in the middle. Um, and I think uh, going back to sort of, again, the, the, the lab or the development environment, again, that needs to reflect one-to-one. It needs to be the one that you actually deploy into as well, but also needs to be the one that, that you can open up and look into yep. to get oh, all that. the feedback and all the insights. So so what we've, what we've set out to build, you can say, we call it sort of develop, deploy, operate, the lifespan of a of a solution um, and and it it's become really it was really important to us that that we sort of had this unified experience uh, also across the lifetime not only across networks in different areas of the world but also across the lifetime of the product um, and so when you're developing a solution uh, using a network like this uh, you have the the same kind of lab features that you would have uh, uh, if you were uh, building your own lab network, you can say. Uh, you have the same insights to uh, what the what the device is doing to the network, what the network is doing to the cloud, and vice versa. And when when doing that, you're really able to take away these uh, responsibilities that typically sit with the device uh, and make uh, radically more efficient solutions. So we've seen solutions that are 10xing their lifetime using the same uh, power budget. Uh, we've seen uh, devices that are using 80 plus percent less data because all of the security overhead is put in the network instead, and so on and so forth, that really radically simplifies development. But then even more important, you can say, is that when you then deploy, uh, there's a zero transition. And so there's this zero barrier to scale. Um, and, and that goes both, you know, technically, obviously, uh, is, is super important to have this zero barrier to scale, but also in, in many ways commercially, that the way the underlying technical architecture of networks is structured actually creates a commercial barrier as well because you're you're paying for things that aren't active because you don't have control of what is active and what is not you can unlock and lock things uh, in, in in sort of uh, you can be flexible around commercials typically because of the architecture of the network so it's not because people are not willing to uh, understand you can say the the commercial needs of an IoT solution in, in, in scaling mode, but architecture can play a really big role in commercials too. And so uh, so what we've been on a journey here is also just as much an, you can say, a commercial flexibility journey rooted in techni- technology um, and the way we've built this network. Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest fears, um, at least that we meet, but, but also that, that we see in the market is the unknown of, of the actual commercial uh, business model that, that's going to hit the device when it suddenly goes on its own. Yeah. Um, and, and having that insight and being able to test that during development, but also knowing that, okay, going into production or deployment, that is one-to-one. Um, 
that 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 makes the whole calculation much much simpler. Yeah, cool. And then I mean the final stage, I guess, in any solution is the operational stage. That's where we all want to go and 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 scale uh, solutions to. Um, this is where they create value on a global scale, typically, or on on a on a bigger scale in the business. Um, and where solutions flourish, but it's also where things ultimately, when time goes on, things change on the cloud side, things change in the network landscape, like the physical network landscape around where you are. And and the understanding of what is going on and also the ability to fix things uh, without uh, trying to fiddle with devices that are already in the field, um, without running those risks of uh, meddling with architecture post-deployment, which can really be uh, be uh, an architect, uh, an engineer's nightmare. Um, we're, we've we've sort of uh, you can say this architecture also creates the ability to create a a, a fully uh, transparent. You're using the same lab tools to uh, operationalize your 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 fleet down the line, and so creating this ability to debug. Uh, diagnose, uh, fix things, uh, uh, post-deployment is is super business critical. And it's also uh, critical to be able to embed it into your own business system. So an API-first approach, source, you could say, where <clears throat> the network becomes, you can say, sort of a diagnosis ally uh, to your other business systems, which which sits uh, within your operational sphere. Yeah, and, and, and also, to some extent, actually, having the connectivity part to, to yeah to some extent taking a step back that now okay now you are in operations now it's much more about everything else uh, f- for your type of business knowing that okay what the connectivity shouldn't be is a management burden going forward uh, when you operate yeah. um, so so if, if one can provide sort of do with technology and also the commercial com- commercial model behind can sort of offer that seamless and and, and behind the scenes um, element of, of, of your design. I think that, that that is by far the best approach. <laughs> yeah, you can say one, one, one thing we always uh, uh, sort of uh, said to each other in the, uh, in, the, in the creation of this was that no one wakes up in the morning and thinks of IoT connectivity unless it's broken. Uh, and, and, and ultimately, that's what you want to be, right? You want to be that invisible enabler uh, that creates value through uh, insights, not, uh, not sort of becomes this management burden where you have to constantly fine-tune your, your uh, coverage card or whatever it might be, commercial models that change and so on and so forth, you want to have that flexibility that just makes that seamlessly work. Um, you want to have the ability to not think about uh, deploying in a new market or deploying in a new, in a new environment. And you want to have the ability to change your architecture, switch your cloud systems if things change in the future, et cetera, et cetera, without having uh, you know network being at best a problem, but at worst, a burden, right, or or, or a challenge uh, to that process, and so uh, so that's really been uh, also a foundational principle that we've had. Um, so with that, I guess that's sort of the overarching sort of macro view of Unomondo. Uh We like to call us obviously we're a network, but we really like to think of ourselves as this IoT stack that connects the dots between uh, this uh, chain of of, uh, of technology, and so. Um, so you can say we're, we're this sort of uh, our role being much more than just a network is more of an orchestration service for any device to talk through any network to any cloud, uh, and and uh, by by having that sort of as a foundational principle, I guess we 
we will always be curious where we can add value on that and not just uh, being a network. Yeah, and being software first. Exactly. We're a software company, <clears throat> so whatever we can build and push into to the connectivity part, but, but alleviating stuff from, from hardware and, and, and cloud, mm-hmm. the better. Yeah. Cool. Maybe you could take us through some of the more specific elements of it. That's, uh, Definitely. Yeah. I think us us being a software company, um, as, as as you mentioned, sort of, we refer sort of our solution more to actually an IoT stack. I think within connectivity, I think one of the first thing that is very important for us is having the foundation right. Um, again, going back to both sort of the lab versus going into deployment and and being in operation mode, uh, you need to have the same environment globally. For us, that means that that running a telco network, uh, we have our own single unified call deployed globally. Um, there are many types of operators, I think, in this industry. Um, we have everything from, of course, what we refer to as the MNO, the mobile network operators, the one actually also deploying, you can say, the base station or the physical infrastructure. Uh, then you have many different types of MVNOs underneath that, the virtual ones, uh, the ones like us, um, that rent access to this. Uh, there can be anything from sort of the very simple resellers, uh, reselling, you can say, SIM cards, SIM chips, whatever the form factor might be, with a different brand, maybe a different commercial model on top, but at the end of the day, sort of the same, the same functionality uh, that you would get from from that one one MNO, um, and then you can become more and more advanced in that. And the most advanced sort of MVNO is, is what we refer to as the full MVNO. You also mentioned that we do sort of a deep integration into the radio access networks, and then we run everything ourselves. All the signaling, all the responsibility, all the authentication, all the transmission of data. That is what we do. That, that's what Unamondo has built and has integrated into all the networks that we have in our footprint. Um, so that's sort of the foundation that we stand upon. So all the features that you have uh, in one network in one country, you have in every single network in every single country globally. So you can say we, we leverage a lot of hardware out there, all the base stations on the rooftops and so on. Uh, we leverage the standards right on the edge there. And then all the intelligent stuff that that sort of makes this a unified network across these different uh, networks is really the entire stack uh, whereas uh, others might inherit a few things local logic so to speak that becomes a little bit of a a static element uh, that becomes hard to control or impossible to control because it's it sits outside of the virtual operator you can say right and so so by doing it this way we're really able to create one network, even though it's a network of networks. Yes, yes. And then I also think finally, what, what's very important is um, that, that, that we develop, deploy, and operate everything in-house. Um, we don't go out and, 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 and buy expensive licenses to, to other stuff, and we really tailor this so it's made for IoT. Um, that, that's also sort of part of the foundation that gives us the flexibility to then add on new features or, or do new innovation within that sort of unified core that, that we've deployed. And then we also try to build it and deploy it in a way that is scalable, um, that then at the end of the day fits that commercial model that that, that sort of IoT dictates. Yep. But I think sort of then going forward from that foundation, of course, you can say to some extent, we actually don't have an interest in uh, that, that our partners in the network um, should have or, or has an interest in that foundation is actually then what does this enable? And I think one of the first things that, that we really want to enable is what, you, what is, is, is one of the most vital parts for, for connectivity is, of course, the coverage. And, and where can we offer these services? And normally, I think you see an industry that are 
stitching together sort of a coverage landscape that that is tailored due to a commercial model lying underneath. And we want to flip that around and, and opening that up, um, which we've done with our network marketplace, where we've sort of gone about and saying, okay, well, we do all the integrations and, and we get as much networks as, as we can into this marketplace. But then we flip it around and saying, okay, to the, to the partners or the customers that, that want to utilize this, you stitch together sort of your coverage depending on whatever commercial model fits this specific product. So you as a customer might have many different types of products, one that needs the best coverage, high value goods that needs to be transported. Um, so you want as many networks at, 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 as, as possible. And then you as a customer, you actually can put that onto that specific device, but you also might have a product that needs to be amazingly cheap, um, where whatever it tracks or whatever it measures doesn't have uh, as high a value and you need to be able to simply sell that cheaper. Um, so you can then deselect the networks uh, that are too expensive for that business model. Um, so it's not us, it's not on one level coming out and saying, okay, this might be the best coverage for you. On the other hand, we, we sort of open everything up and, and then allow you to, uh, to stitch together whatever, whatever fits your purpose. Yeah, so, so you can say it's, it's really about uh, you know, making uh, the hardware as efficient as that can be, obviously, as we, as we discussed, but also just making the networks the best they can be. So that we don't we don't take a uh, sort of a, a choice on behalf of either the networks themselves or the customer to to try and and sort of merge these worlds together. Uh, it's really uh, up to each you can say individual uh, offering and 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 solution requirements to to uh, obviously we can help, but but it's it's a it's a it's a puzzle that you can customize. Yes. Yeah. And another thing, sort of going actually even deeper into into the coverage, um, I think one in, in important aspect is going back to also the unified core is that we do this, of course, on the, the same SIM, but also on the same profile. We don't jump between profiles. I think right now we're seeing a lot of movements in the market, again, stitching things together so, so one can offer maybe, maybe multiple operators within a country. Um, but you as a customer still needs to decide which one. Um, for that specific country. And we want to flip it around and saying, okay, let's use the technology that is out there and, and provide you with as many base stations, as many as antennas um, as, as we can. So both we don't jump between profiles, but also we come with what is sort of in the industry called uh, non-steered sims. And I think to, to many don't pay a lot of attention to that, but at the end of the day, it actually gives sort of a uh, not noticeable uh, difference in how much data you actually gather, the success rate from a device to deliver the data to the cloud, um, which depends on that if you suddenly have preferences on a SIM, which, which we tend to see in this industry, suddenly you don't benefit of having potential three or four networks within a country. Um, if you have a preference for one network in a country, you force the device to, for whatever uh, reason in the world, to try and attach to that specific network. When we suddenly offer, again, sort of this open uh, agnostic approach to uh, what's the best business case for you. We come with unsteered SIMs, or we don't have any preferences on the SIM. We suddenly allow you to attach to whatever network is the best in that specific uh, area. And that, uh, that's actually a pretty under uh, underestimated uh, efficiency drain uh, of of a solution, right? Because you know a, a connection to a network that might be available, but at a bad quality wherever you are that sits right next to another network of good quality, but that you don't connect to because you've steered, uh, you're being steered towards a, a, another network that is that is out there. And, and I think we've seen cases where you might have a fleet of devices out there and 
and, and, and you're actually only getting sort of 90 something percent of delivery success rate, <clears throat> which is actually quite a bit in sort of the overall fleet deployment and suddenly giving instead the best quality of service, suddenly we see that closer to 100%. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a significant difference for you in your business case when you deploy, deploy stuff. Yeah, so, so, so the net, network marketplace, as we just discussed, that was sort of our take on what uh, networks, how we can orchestrate the experience of putting coverage cards together uh, with non-steered SIMs so you don't lose efficiency from having multiple networks, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's our responsibility to the network side of things. Then how do we view our responsibility to, to the connection to the cloud? I think that, that actually goes back to how we also want to see the network, again, being this active part in, in, in the architecture and maybe even more so merged together with the cloud that you operate. Um, I think a fundamental thing in telco uh, not tech, and, and, and we're definitely sort of trying to be software first and trying to push telco into tech is, is trying to view more on how things are happening in the cloud. Um, and I think one of the barriers for doing IoT and doing cellular IoT in scale uh, globally is, again, sort of the management of devices or of SIMs um, in, in this regard. And I think one of the first thing um, you're going to be faced when one want to deploy in scale is the whole activation and deactivation of SIMs. Suddenly that becomes a, a managing burden um, going back to when you go into operation and when you go uh, into deployment, knowing when your device needs to be uh, alive or active. Uh, is it on manufacturing? Does it sit on the shelf for three months? Um, end of life for products, do you know when your device is, is, is broken? Mm-hmm. Um, that entire managing burden uh, has a both a commercial cost to it, uh, but also a technical cost for for, for simply doing so. Um, I think on average we tend to see that around 70-80% of one fleet is actually active uh, within a month. Um, because we own the whole foundation, um, we don't have this. It's, it's, it's not a thing with, with Onomondo. For us, sort of an active uh, device or an active SIM in our case is, is nothing more than a row in a database. And we really want to utilize that. Uh, we, we've dubbed it uh, uh, a bit of a funny naming convention. We call it Magic Mode. Seems appropriate. Seems appropriate. <laughs> uh, but but the reason for doing so is that we want to people uh, we want people to ask what it is uh, because we actually try to uh, name it a lot of different things: uh, active sims, activated sims uh, that you didn't pay for. Uh, you only paid for when it brought value, when it was actually transmitting data. And we just met a lot of different understanding of the of, of the different wording. Um, because I, I think at the end of the day, we sudden, we're, we're, we're really not seeing this in the industry. At the end of the day, you need to know when to activate or deactivate the devices. It might be that you can deactivate it for a small cost, but then after three months, it becomes activated again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We adopted magic mode for people to, to ask us what it was. And at the end of the day, it's quite simple. Uh, you don't pay for SIMs if they don't transmit data, period. So there's nothing to, uh, to manage. We can send SIMs, we actually do so, uh, activated and there's no cost even if they never come uh, come into play um, and, and I think that that removes a lot of friction and a lot of barriers um, for going into deployment mm. oh it takes a huge efficiency uh, burden or drain away from that scaling journey right but it also actually sometimes it even unlocks new use cases because some of the things that that can be 
really not very uh, 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 have a terrible business case on them if they need to pay every month, for example, for a running fee of a sim that might or might not come online. But then if you flip that around and say, if it comes online, it's creating value because it has something to tell that device, right? And and then uh, you transmit that data, you create value for that, but that's where you pay. If If that's the case, then it's the device that is governing that connection. And so it can wake itself up and that really translates into a lot of interesting use cases instead. So like different kinds of alarm systems or, or infrastructure alarm systems or something like that, where, you know, the the, the number of devices can be huge. Uh, we hope they never come online, but if they do, it's really critical. And some of these things are, are, are actually sort of just based on a, you can say, a technical foundational principle that is broken maybe a little bit, that translates into a commercial burden, that translates into use cases that doesn't work. Uh, I think that that whole thing is, is um, yeah, really sort of yeah. appropriate name, magic mode. <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> and then going sort of, you can say, even more into to sort of the the cloud or and and how you operate that. Uh, normally, I think when if if we look uh, beyond sort of connectivity, but but when you make the decision for whatever cloud you want to run on, or if it's an on-prem deployment, whatever you do, or whatever you have to sort of facilitate uh, your business, uh, one of the key aspects is, of course, also to to know how it functions, to know how it acts. If stuff goes wrong, you need to debug, etc. Um, and, and, and that we also want to put onto the connectivity part, uh, going back to the insights that we can provide, going even back to when we when we talked about sort of having the lab um, being able to uh, to debug, being able to optimize your device because you can see how the network uh, views the, the the connection, um, and maybe even more importantly, also after deployment, if stuff goes wrong when you are in the real world, you can actually go in and, and, and see what's happening. And I think these insights um, we've built that as a native part of of the platform of the connectivity offering that we have, um, so you can unlock all the signaling, uh, technically called diameter or TSMM map as a seven. Uh, signaling DTP, you can see the packets being transmitted, everything. You can download it uh, in, in what's called PCAP files or other stuff. So you can use it in tools that, that you're familiar with um, when you do all your development or you do your debugging. Fully open uh, to everyone uh, to, to see at any point of time, anywhere in the world. Um, and, and I think that is one of those also underestimated features or, or capabilities. Uh, I would even put it more so um, that we actually don't see people is asking for because I don't think people know that that is possible. Um, but having experienced issues, knowing that, okay, I need to talk to my operator, I need to put in a ticket or whatever to, to get any insights, suddenly having that ownership yourself, and then you can dive into that. I think we've seen tremendous optimizations either in, in support or in development of, of devices. Um, yeah, we have customer cases where, you know, 10 days of average debugging time of critical networking issues turns into 10 minutes because you can just do things live yep. while you have the customer or, or the user or whatever it is uh, on the phone, right? Uh, having those capabilities takes all of that planning process away from analyzing and actually arriving at something that you can then fix, um, which is, uh, it seems simple, <laughs> but it's it's really uh, critical. Yeah, uh, when, and, and suddenly you can say the... the connectivity, um, instead of being this this black box unfriendly uh, environment, suddenly it actually becomes your partner. Right. Um, it, 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 it provides, it becomes your friend. It can enable you to uh, 
yeah, to unlock sort of new potential. Then there's the then that you can say then that was sort of on the cloud front and the integration there and the insights from the network and all that stuff. So if we go the other way, and then we we talk about the device efficiency, then then how does this principle of enabling efficiency across the the, the ecosystem? How does that play into from a network perspective? I think one of the biggest thing uh, that 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 we've done lately lately is is the launch of, of the soft sim or the 100% software based sim i think what defines telco very much is the sim and and the sim in, in its physical form i think everyone knows the plastic sims everyone in iot uh, probably know the uh, embedded sim form factor the mff2 sim chip uh, or even smaller sim chips uh, right now we see a lot of stuff surrounding the iSIM uh, and the even smaller form factor integrated into the radio modules. Um, but the SIM is a very defining part of Telco. Um, in good, but also in bad. It becomes both a bill of material, it has a cost to it, it becomes a efficiency drain. Uh, the SIM in any form factor is its own small computer. It requires power. If you have constrained devices, uh, you have devices running on battery, needs to be deployed and, and being on their own. Uh, power is, is a very expensive thing on that. Um, there's the bill of material because it's sheer hardware. Uh, and then there's the whole burden of logistics, knowing when to order sims. There's a delay. Uh, it can take four, six, uh, eight, 12 weeks before you get your sims. You have a manufacturing line where you need to know, okay, every month I am manufacturing tens of thousands of, of devices since I need to order these, et cetera, et cetera. Customs for shipping sims into different countries. Looking at the cloud instead, uh, you can say that the, the, the physical requirement uh, on a per unit basis doesn't exist. Um, and that is what we want to try and unlock with the software based sim, the soft sim, is that it becomes fully software. You don't have sort of the same bill of material. You don't have uh, the efficiency drain for needing to power a, a separate individual computer. And suddenly you don't have the whole logistics anymore. Uh, you download the soft sim when you need it on manufacturing manufacturing line beforehand um, or, or whenever the time is right. Um, and I think even to the more extreme, when it suddenly becomes software and part of your firmware on your device, you can also update it. It doesn't become this static uh, device going back to designing uh, stuff for the future. Um, suddenly you today need to decide between many different, both sim form factors, but also sim software. Uh, and suddenly having that mindset of saying, okay, well, now it's something that just resides within the firmware that's updatable. It, it gives the SIM suddenly a, a much different and hopefully smaller role mm. in IoT. Yeah, so, so you can say like from a, from a, a perspective of, of architecture, the, the SIM itself is very much a legacy telco feature, right? It hasn't been on any kind of innovation journey like the rest of the world uh, on hardware has been towards IoT. So all the efficiency gains of radio modules and all the, 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 the arc, uh, engineering time that has gone in these uh, recent years in perfecting the energy efficiency of those solutions really are, are being polluted by the legacy uh, uh, SIM uh, just on power alone. So one example of that would be the, the partnership we've done with, with Nordic Semiconductor, which, which is really a, a very power efficient modem and module um, where... Uh, by, by uh, removing the SIM form factor from uh, the, the combination of radio module and SIM and putting a soft SIM into the radio module instead, you're, you're actually, in a benchmark test, 
you're shaving something like 92% of, 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 uh, of the idle mode uh, battery drain away from that solution. Uh, so it's really powerful stuff if you take some of these legacy things away, unlocks the freedom uh, by, by making it updatable, turning it into software, turning it more into a, a, a unlocked, not handcuffed architecture. Um, has so many different varieties of, of, of uh, you know, output efficiencies uh, and risk mitigators down the line, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think at the end of the day, sort of the, the soft sim is, is sort of the, the first step towards completely removing the sim uh, from connectivity. Turning it invisible. Yeah. That's nice. I, I think another maybe final feature to, to mention in, in this webinar um, is both both on the hardware, where we sort of alleviate that, but also towards the cloud. Um, and, and, and maybe ironic enough sort of takes the internet out of IoT. I think in many cases, again, what we've seen being connectivity, a highway to the internet or sort of a, a data commuting service. Uh, at the end of the day, what we're seeing is, of course, people want to connect devices to a platform. I think that is that is what we're trying to attack with our connectors. At the end of the day, that is that is connecting devices to platforms, uh, not necessarily the internet. Today, normally, you would place the SDK, you mentioned that as well, on the device. A lot of software um, code running on the device uh, that sort of instructs the device on how to transmit data to uh, a platform. That can be AWS IoT, Azure IoT, or a a customer's own proprietary platform. But at the end of the day, it's the device's responsibility to do so. And I think connectors, being sort of in the middle, um, we can take all that responsibility from the hardware, from the, the from the firmware, from the devices, and, and and put that into the network. And this is where where the network very much become an active part in the architecture. Um, you can sort of see it as okay. Well, now I have my my cloud. I have my network. The orchestration around that and then I can actually attach any type of device onto that and, 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 and the network and the cloud combination makes sure that that data can be transmitted both ways so it's a lot about also future-proofing your devices um, but while, while, while we're doing that uh, we also tremendously alleviate a lot of stuff from the devices uh, one thing is security I think at the end of the day what you need to think of is that by having the responsibility on the device you also place all the the sort of attack vectors or the security responsibility onto those devices. And those are the ones that you scatter across the world and, and cross your fingers that um, uh, that, that they, do, they do their job. Um, I think normally you, you wouldn't go about sort of that type of, of design. And instead, what we want to, to, to try and do with connectors is moving that responsibility into the network and make the devices completely actually unaware of what platform um, they, they, are, they are speaking with. And when we suddenly do that, when you can just transmit the messages that you want to to actually nowhere, uh, we'll make sure to pick it up and, and transform it to whatever the cloud speaks, that today being uh, mainly uh, TCP with TLS encryption speaking uh, high-level protocol called MQTT or whatever it might be. Um, whenever stuff changes on the cloud side, we update the network accordingly. But from a device perspective, it remains static. It remains the same. And that suddenly makes it interesting when you need to design the, the hardware. You don't need to think of, okay, where, what, what type of cloud have I chosen today? What type of protocol do I need to speak? What are the security standards today on the internet? All that we can take away from, from the device perspective mm -hmm. and again, update that accordingly whenever, whenever things changes. Yeah, I mean, and, and it speaks right into 
the the whole part of making the device as simple as possible, right? You want to have the distributed element in your solution as simple and static as possible. And really, when you're designing things with SDKs into the into the devices and all the security posture sitting on the device, because that responsibility resides there, what you're really turning you're, you're turning an engineering task into a business risk, right? Because you're you're constantly asking for this balance between a very cost-efficient solution, so one that is spec as low as possible, but still one that has enough security posture capabilities and flexibility in design, so that you can you can. Uh, if things change on the cloud side, you can change it down the line. But then you're coupling that and that engineering task alone with the unknown factor of, okay, if this solution is supposed to last for 5, 10, 15 years, what do I not know today that I will need to design for tomorrow? And that either translates into a cost-bloated solution today or a risk that you just can't compute because you don't know what you're not, what you don't know. And so by centralizing this responsibility and removing those attack vectors from the device, uh, what you're really doing is you're, you're future-proofing the solution, right? You're making sure that anything that changes on one side won't affect the other uh, down the line, and, and, and you're using standards as your protection here. So you're using the standards of all the networks out there and all the tried-and-true security elements of that as the governing body of that security element, and you're using the standards into the clouds that are constantly evolving because they sit on the internet, but you're using a centralized place to manage those standards. And that becomes much more scalable. So you're sort of bridging the gap here between the, the, the small element and the big cloud in reality, right? Exactly. exactly. And then I think one of the really interesting also effects of that um, is then minimizing actually the whole sort of total cost of ownership of that device uh, throughout its lifetime due to when we take that responsibility into the network, we're actually lowering the data consumption quite a bit, which has, of course, an effect on the pure data consumption. Again, sort of the currency, I think, today in connectivity is the megabyte cost. Um, and sort of a, uh, a very simple calculation is that when you normally sort of have an SDK on the device and you transmit something every 15 minutes, normally you would use around 20 to 25 megabytes per month for that single device. Hence, the megabyte becomes utterly important. Uh, that the, the price of the megabyte becomes utterly important. Um, when we remove all that overhead from the device and put that into the network instead, um, the, the same amount of data being transmitted to the cloud uh, actually only consumes around 0.3 megabytes. So suddenly the megabyte isn't a currency anymore. It's not the, the thing that you need to negotiate because it becomes so small and, hmm. and irrelevant. So, um, so heavy on the compute side to comply with the internet security and, and, and all those aspects. We can also lower um, the, the the power budget by up to ninety percent hmm. um, by doing so. So it has a huge efficiency gain by changing the architecture and, and and removing that responsibility to the network instead. Yeah, yeah. And from that perspective, like total cost of ownership is a really good metric here, right? Because uh, normally, as you said, you know, you're focusing on the megabyte cost from a network perspective, and that kind of makes sense. But when you're when you're looking at re redistributing uh, some of these responsibilities. What you're also doing is you're unlocking a lot of cost or you're, you're freeing up a lot of cost that otherwise sits with either battery, a very, very uh, heavy cost driver on any device uh, typically, or on, on the uh, compute side or on the risk of, of, uh, of, of uh, the future architecture needing to be over today or, or any kind of combination there. So 
So a, a an architecture recalibration of this kind, where the network plays a bigger role, ask more from your network kind of thing, uh, you're really redistributing and freeing up a lot of cost elsewhere in the entire solution and the lifetime of that solution, right? Yeah. So I think sort of overall that, I mean, that that a lot of different sort of more concrete examples of, of what we're trying to achieve by by sort of being software within the network and, and, and really seeing connectivity more as a tech play than, than, than pure telco. Um, and going back to the, from every, everything from the foundation and, and upwards, I think that, that, is, that is what we're trying to unlock with only one bill. So yeah, this, this has been sort of a, a very high level and, and low level detail uh, journey through uh, our vision of, of where we uh, think we can, we can really benefit the wider in industry of IoT and, and the wider ecosystem and architecture from a network perspective, I think um, uh, as an ecosystem, uh, we have a lot of shared responsibility to uh, to to play each other's strengths, uh, and uh, and I think from a, a network perspective, I think uh, uh, exactly linking the dots here, connecting the dots between very very efficient hardware and very very powerful clouds, uh, and and very uh, powerful and 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 um, capable networks out there. Uh, that's the role that we've taken uh, with with our approach. It's uh, it comes from an infrastructure perspective, but it lives in software. And I think it's really important that that sort of from a wider perspective, that the uh, unlocking of potential here really r- takes root in scalability, uh, building things right. You can say linking things good well together, uh, and and being as agnostic and as future proofing oriented as possible. Uh, there's a lot of capabilities that sits in those uh, components already uh, hardware connectivity cloud if used right and, uh, and 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 we certainly see our role in that uh, and our proudest uh, responsibility being to to really maximize the efficiency of those things so hopefully this has been a, a little bit of a glimpse into uh, the why and the what as well and, and a little bit of the how also um and uh, and with that, I just wanna we, we just wanna uh, thank you for for tuning in and staying with us uh, all this way, and uh, and yeah, we're we're gonna open up for uh, for some questions now, and uh, and if you have any any questions uh, to what you've heard today or, or other aspects of uh, of what you know about us, uh, please feel free to uh, to write it in the chat below. Thank you. You've been listening to Made for IoT. Never miss another episode by following us wherever you get your podcasts. Full transcripts and slides are available at onamondo.com. 